The views expressed in this podcast do not represent anyone. We reserve the right to play devil's advocate. Therefore, the issues in this podcast may be sensitive. This podcast should not be listened to by anyone. Have Have fun. fun. Hello, I'm Kurt and Rod. I'm Sidus Balsack. I'm just incredible. I'm Casey Meets. Nobody fucking cares. And we are as the high hits. Oh. You still recording over there, big fella? Do, 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 do. Casey, you're supposed to pick it up there, buddy. Come on, man. Come on, man. What are you doing? Dropping the ball. Someone drop something. What? Alrighty. So. I have unintentionally gathered you all here today (laughs) to talk about the future of energy. The future of energy. Yep. Is here. Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, it's like 40 years out. (laughs) But isn't that what they were saying like 40 years ago? The future of energy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Energy is always in the future. So it's the future of energy. Yeah. We'll never be the future of energy. It's the future's future of energy. Well, no. So that 40 year uh, joke that I just made, uh, which I mean, you know, could you give me a little drum beat there? I feel like this is unnecessary. Do Don't it. Do it. Give him the sad trombone because nobody got it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you all. Um, As you should. So with that joke, uh, it's a running joke within the community um, that I've researched that the future of sustainable, clean Fusion energy is just 40 years away. They've been saying it for the last 40 years. Sounds like a lot of hoopla. And when you ask people today, well, it's still 40 years away. <laughs> it's always 40 years away. <laughs> but um, so uh, go figure. I got a little high uh, the other night, and I stumbled upon a documentary. And that documentary's name, for anybody who wants to go check it out, is Let There Be Light. Uh, it's from 2017. And what it does is it goes through what projects are going on in the fusion, the nuclear fusion energy space. It was really cool. There's like, so I was thinking there was like one project going on for it. There's like dozens of projects going on all over the country, all, all over the world. It, I mean, I would usually believe that research and development, but very rarely do you only have one player. Right. Um, a dozens is kind of up there, but mm-hmm. I'm not terribly surprised about that. Yeah. But so this this little thing that happened where I was high and I was like, oh, hey, a documentary that looks interesting. Nuclear power. I can be high and watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so did anything blow your mind? Well, I mean, besides the weed. <laughs> I think it's the fact that uh, the most promising, uh, like, kind of system for creating nuclear fusion versus fission, which is what we have, um, was thought up, like, in the 50s. Well, so explain to our audience what the difference is between nuclear fission and and nuclear fusion. Oh, well, um, so fission breaks atoms apart to release energy and fusion superheats particles under pressure to fuse them together and when they fuse together they release massive amounts of energy so uh think uh, nuclear bomb for fission and then the sun for fusion so essentially for fusion what you're wanting to do is create the sun on earth yep uh, almost, that's actually what some of the projects kind of call themselves as small sun on earth projects. Oh, small sun. Yep. I was thinking you know, <laughs> the entire sun. Sounds dangerous. Um, it definitely gets really hot. So we already have issues or contain- containment issues or possible containment issues, especially with cooling and stuff mm-hmm. for the fission reactors. What would be different for the fusion? Uh, so for the fusion reactors, you uh, you don't have any of that nasty nuclear fallout or waste because you're not using fuel rods like uranium rods, which is what is used in a fission reactor. Um, you don't have any of that nasty byproduct. 
So it would overall be safer, more renewable energy. It would be completely self-sustaining, yeah. Like, it, it would be the best, cleanest form of energy that we could create. So why are we looking at things like solar and wind and, you know, of course, the modern-day nuclear rather than moving forward? Uh, I think that's a common misconception because they are still moving forward with... We just haven't gotten to the point where it's feasible? Correct. So um, the longest reaction to date, because of the temperatures that are within that system, was like 17 and a half minutes. So we come back to cooling being an issue. Uh, There's not... It's. I think it's more a matter of modulation because the way that they harness it is uh, the most common is what's called a tokamak. It's what was the design that was formed. It's like a big donut, and it's hollow in the center. So you're going to have like a donut-shaped kind of sun, mini sun going on. Um, and how they control that is they pump hydrogen plasma in, but because that plasma gets so hot, it's got to be contained via giant magnets. So the plasma's floating through this donut-shaped hole. So are you telling me that this whole energy process is basically built around a plasma-filled donut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrounded by magnets. <laughs> it's, it's freaking cool, isn't it? I think he's making it up. So all I can think of is Homer Simpson. <laughs> nuclear donuts? <sighs> right. He works in a nuclear power hey, plant. Hey, people say groaning's a freaking time traveler. Maybe he's trying to tell us something. <laughs> uh, but so donuts. the longest sustained reaction was um, somewhat recently, actually, I believe. Uh, but it was done by China in their tok- tokamak project called EAST or Experimental Advanced Superconducting Tokamak. Um, it, la- it lasted for 17 minutes and 36 seconds, and the plasma reached 70 million degrees Celsius. Jesus. <laughs> but cooling's not an issue. We're just going to have this, you know, is it still plasma gas at that point? Well, so plasma is its own state, state yeah. of matter. It was injected in as plasma gas. Uh, sorry, it was injected in as a hydrogen gas. I, I misspoke. And then it gets charged. Yep. And in superheated into a plasma where it fuses together and releases just massive amounts of energy. And so the whole containment area, you can when you look up the pictures of it, it's like the walls are look like they're foil lined and they absorb that heat and then transfer it to create steam energy. Which this is what really took me down this whole loop is I was like, we live in a freaking steampunk society. All of our power is created by steam. Like I went down the list here. So coal and oil. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these are our current states of stuff that I was interested in when I went down the rabbit hole and I started looking into, into stuff. But So our current state, coal and oil, is probably the most uh, basic one. Um, you harvest it from the ground. Burn it to boil water to get steam. Steam compresses and pressurizes uh, to be shot at turbines to spin turbines, right. generate electricity. Well, uh, then I was like, well, one that doesn't use steam. Let's go look at that. Hydroelectric. That uh, takes a moving body of water right. um, and compresses it down into a very strong jet of water to turn turbines to create electricity. All right, well, uh, nuclear fission's got to be different, right? It's nuclear power. No, it uses the energy released from splitting atoms to boil water to pressurize and pipe steam to turbines, just like coal and oil. Right. And then I was like, well, at least solar doesn't do that. Well, I was wrong again. (laughs) (laughs) So solar panels don't do that, but solar collection farms... Okay. What they do is they're a farm of mirrors, and they're generally angled up at, like, a collecting tower. Absolutely. Okay. And in that collecting tower, it's generally, like, um, uh, like a molten sodium, which is then used to... Turn into steam. And 
move turbines. <laughs> I feel like we're adding extra stuff. I feel like the answer to electricity is turbines. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and then you have wind turbines. So really the only thing that kind of differs from the spinning turbine to create electricity is a solar panel. Uh, and which right. solar panels directly convert sunlight to electricity via a photovoltaic cell, which takes in light to excite electrons, um, note only about 20% efficiency, uh, with most of the energy from the sun dissipating as heat with those panels. But those electrons then move back and forth within the photovoltaic cell, creating a charge. I mean, but what's the what, what's the efficiency rating of like coal or nuclear fission? Because I mean, if if you're if you're still going to boil water to create steam, you're going to have loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I people, don't know the answer pe- to that question. That's a good question. People throw around percentages right. of, of of proficiency around, and that's why they dog on solar panels because oh, they're only about twenty to twenty five percent efficient. But whenever you think about the no moving parts, mm-hmm. when you think about you know, the actual investment versus what you get back, it's not nearly as drastic as people make it sound. Mm-hmm. It, like, yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that because I know, like, if you're thinking about coal, well, you got to dig out of the ground. Mm-hmm. So you're wasting a whole bunch of energy there. And then you got to mm-hmm. transport it. You're wasting a whole bunch of energy there. And then you got to heat the water and transfer it into steam mm-hmm. and then pipe that steam to the turbines. And like how much heat loss is there from the heat from the pipes just radiating heat out? Oh, I mean that, and you're running water through pipes, and you have corrosion. And yeah, it's just it, it doesn't right. seem like upkeep a very... everything else. Like right. all that overhead is going to add up. Yeah, but in, in my high state, I just kept going down this this rabbit hole of we live in a steampunk society. Pretty much. Nobody <laughs> talks about it. <laughs> Our world is powered by steam. Steam and gears, man. Right. It's it's by design that they don't talk about it. Right? Right. And uh, it just got me thinking, like, is there going to be any other developments other than steam power? And I I didn't really come across anything too promising aside from the solar panels. It it was interesting. Um, But like I said, wind turbines also turn, you know, as the name suggests, a turbine. Right, right. Steam, but, wind, and gears. Well, and then wind is caught. Wind is caused by an influx of heat or coldness in the atmosphere. So it's. Well, I mean, even but getting then there's down, water vapor in the wind. Even getting down. <laughs> even getting down to, like, the cars and stuff we drive today, you know, the engine creates an explosion that pushes a rod that essentially. Spins a turbine. Turn spins a turbine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just exciting. Um, I I did more looks because uh, they they're developing both fission and fusion right now. So I think the most well known is probably ITER for the fusion, uh, which I, I forget what that stands for, but it's over in Europe. It's funded by like seventeen different countries, including the U.S. They've pumped. I think over a hundred billion dollars into the project, and it's one of the. It was the like the main thing featured in the documentary, looking at it, and like one one of the magnetic arms that houses the plasma is like the size of my house. It's ginormous. Wow. Height wise, it doesn't fill the same amount of volume, but yeah, whatever. Um, so you got that, but then there's also a couple of other really interesting ideas. There's a couple of smaller companies out there trying to do fusion. And uh, one that I that I looked at that was super, seemed really cool, was to create a fusion reaction via um, creating high pressure with pistons. And it looks like this crazy contraption with all these long piston arms coming off of it. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, the mines uh, for naval warfare, how yeah. they're like the spiky mines. That's what oh, it yeah. looks like. It looks like a giant one of those. And all those pistons are supposed to come down and compress at the same time. Boom. Yep. To create that plasma, to create enough pressure and heat. And listening to the guy talk about it in the documentary, he was like, when I started this project, I didn't want it to be something that needed super fancy equipment to do. 
I wanted to be able to build this with things that you can get at Home Depot. <laughs> I don't think we need to teach people how to build that stuff from <laughs> Home Depot. Why not? <laughs> Just, I mean... Well, you, you got to think that type of reaction, what it's doing is it's creating that plasma to create the heat source. And then that heat needs to be absorbed and transferred to flash the water into steam and then turn a turbine. So it compresses, it releases all of that energy from the fusion of the molecules. And then the heat, the resulting heat from that is what gets absorbed, and then you reset and do it again. Reset and do it again. But I wonder how much heat loss would be coming from that. Like, I wonder how efficient that would actually be. That's probably the reason why that one is not... I think it still takes more energy to create the plasma than the plasma gives off. And then that was going to be my next question, was how much energy are you using to force all those pistons, especially in that precise manner, Mm -hmm. to create the plasma? I mean, it seems intense. I, it was a cool machine to look at. <laughs> now, on the flip side, you can take all your old used CDs and make a solar panel and throw it outside if you really wanted to. What? Yeah, you didn't know that? No, do tell. Yeah. You can You literally take the CDs, mm-hmm. you put them the reflective side up, and you can wire them together and create a solar panel. I what? mean, literally, that's pretty How much How do you wire them together? solder and wire i'm assuming you have to put some sort of a capacitor on each i believe so i would have to look i would have to look back into it um i mean don't don't get me wrong i'm a moron so i'm pretty sure i got half the stuff that i just told you guys wrong but you know (laughs) we never claimed to be right (laughs) i i was i was in a nice high stupor just super interested in all this and then i saw that we're continuing to develop fission reaction as well in different ways, because the biggest problem with building a, a nuclear fission reactor here in the mm-hmm. United States is its cost and its time to get up and running. So it costs more than something like a natural gas plant. Right, right. And it takes probably two to three times as long to build the plant because of all the safety implications that have to go into it. You know, because we don't want a three mile island or a Chernobyl. <laughs> Uh, and so they're developing these newer, smaller, safer kind of mechanisms. Um, one is a gas-cooled reactor. So it's nuclear reactors using gas, usually a helium or carbon dioxide, as the core coolant. Um, it's built. They've built and operated these already successfully. Um, sorry, I'm reading my notes here. Is it just on a smaller scale that they've built them? Yeah, I believe so. Like it, it's so. You've you've driven past the nuclear power plants, and it's a giant freaking structure, right? Right. Yeah. Like huge, big old cooling towers and everything like that. And these ones are supposed to be a s- smaller footprint, use less actual water, and okay. have less concerns with things like a meltdown. Um. So the gas cooled reactor. It, utilizes these little pebble designed um, balls of graphite with like 15,000 particles of uranium in them. So the uranium is what is degrading, given off the fission reaction. um, And then the graphite balls contains that reaction and they're able to put more graphite balls in there. They're about the size of a billiards ball I read. Okay. And uh, they're able to shape the heat then as well as it comes up and goes through, moves through the gas. And this helps prevent meltdowns, things like that. Um, and then it's still directed into a turbine to generate electricity. <laughs> and then um, another one I, I read about is a revamped water-cooled reactor. Um, the one that came up for me is a project called IRIS, or uh, International Reactor Innovative and Secure I'm not. I'm not sure about that name. I think Iris is much better than the long form there. That was probably one they yeah. thought of the uh, acronym and then came up with the letters or with the words. Right. Uh, that is developed by Westinghouse Electric, um, and that contains the entire coolant system inside a damage-resistant pressure vessel. 
So instead of like a big pool, like in Chernobyl and whatnot, it's mm. a it's a fully self-contained vessel. Um, and the design makes it very unlikely that there will be a significant coolant loss, which is what led to the meltdowns that we've experienced with the old style. Right. It's usually reactors. some type of uh, break or leak. It causes, yep. uh, causes them to lose the water, which helps to cool the reactors and mm-hmm. the reactors overheat. Um, yeah, there were actually uh, issues with that. So, um, I I didn't realize the water actually played a bigger role than just cooling it down. It also slows the uh, the reaction down. So when the uh, when the particles coming off from the fusion hit the hydrogen atoms in the water, it slows it down and is able to turn it from uh, like a high speed reaction into a very slow thermal reaction. So like that was cool to read, and I read that reading about the next type of reactor that they got going in the works, which is a fast spectrum reactor. And this one utilizes high energy neutrons versus the slowed down reaction. Um, the fluid in these reactors, though, is like a liquid sodium. Okay. Which I so, thought was really like a molten metal is the right. cooling fluid. Right. It's also <laughs> highly reactive, though, isn't it? If it comes in contact with the air or water, yeah. <laughs> but I, so that's one of the big problems that they have is it's highly reactive. Uh, and so they've been thinking about um, doing like lead instead of sodium. Another low melting point, but will allow them to have that really fast reaction because it's not hitting off the hydrogen atoms. Which, again, I, I, like, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's crazy that you're going to have molten metal as your cooling source. <laughs> uh, for that reaction, they can also, though, use um, like a, a lead bismuth alloy or inert gases such as helium or carbon dioxide. Or maybe even a combination, separate chambers. Have like a staged cooling process almost too. I don't know. Like again, high mind research, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Pick and choose. Pick and choose. High mind with ADHD research. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So like th- that's like the future of fission, and then we get the future of fusion, which I, I mentioned the two projects, which is the Tokamak and the um, the piston driven one. There's another one out there. I think it was developed uh, um, by a U.S. citizen, and it's got this. So the Tokamak's a nice kind of like donut shape. This utilizes that same donut shape, but it goes in this crazy pattern, almost like a bunch of S's put together in a circle, and it foo foo, but also like turned slightly. So almost like a crazy donut. Yeah, yeah. Like you, know, um, you have the crazy straw, so this would be a crazy donut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole idea behind that design, even though it's way more expensive and way more specialized, is that it helps control the magnetic field easier, is what they were saying. As it's going through the twists and turns, yep. it's creating a polarity almost. You said a lot of big words then. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> twist? <laughs> yeah, twist is the one. It means there's a turn. <laughs> in the track or pipe that it'll be going through. Um, and it'll cause the the thing on the inside of the pipe, the subject, whatever it is, to turn in that direction. In which case, if it's being used to help control the magnetics, mm-hmm. especially because it is a molten metal still, right? That's what we're talking about. It's no, no, same. no. This one is back to the um, uh, the plasma. Okay. Yeah, I, I switched back to the plasma. Sorry. Okay, so it should still cause that directional flow, which would help. Well, rotation helps create a polarity. Oh, so that go. would help contain the, the magnetic field a little bit. Yep. So I, I think the big risk of that is the plasma leaking outside of the magnetic field and literally melting the structure. Yes, that would be. <laughs> or vaporizing it at those temperatures. The, wait, <laughs> if it's easier to control the flow of the plasma... Shouldn't there be lower risk of it leaking than the 
donut shape. Like, shouldn't that also be a problem with the donut shaped one? That is a problem with the donut shaped one. So uh, they they both utilize the same mechanism of using magnetism to control the plasma. Yeah. Uh, and and for both of them, I think that is the biggest concern. And with the crazy shape, I believe it's supposed to be a little bit easier for them to do it. Um, one of the ones that I saw there was uh, in the EU. I saw the um, England Merkel actually. Like, at the presentation, I think they ran it for, like, five seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. What are you pulling up there, sound guy? So that's making one sound. Oh! And then... So, for anybody listening, Just Incredible pulled up a nice picture of how they turn CDs into solar cells. So and it looks like a wire yep. made into, like, a flower pattern going and around the disc with a wire then... connected in. They also add um, diodes. So there's a diode here and one about here. That's cool. And then once you do that, you could do that. Very nice. A big old it's circle old of them. satellite dish. So, yeah. you know, we're recycling. I wonder how much power you get from that. I wonder how many CDs people have left. A lot. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, I'm sure you could find. Go to Goodwill. Or you can go to Amazon, buy some blanks still, and probably cost you like five, ten bucks. You can still buy blanks? Oh, yeah. People still have CD drives? (laughs) I I don't have a CD drive on my laptop. (laughs) You you realize, like, record players are coming back. Like, for some reason, old technology is being cool again. So just give it some time. We'll go back to CDs. No, but I saw the new record players. They have USB inputs. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds so good. <laughs> oh, so what do you guys think is the uh, most promising new technology that I described? Well, considering you used a bunch of big words that I'm not able to recall, but they sound cool. Just oh, okay. That's that's kind of how I was when I was researching. <laughs> just about all the technology we talked about, we we've had the technology of the schematics for for decades now. Yes. Um, so what we would probably really need to see on the horizon is investment mm-hmm. in order to see any change. And do you have any ideas on the current investment in the markets today? Well, so for, for the fusion, uh, like I said, you got the 17 country ITER projects over in, uh, I forget which country it's in, but it's somewhere in Europe and that's, that's huge. And they've, like I said, they've got tens of billions of dollars already invested oh so that that area they're absolutely worth yep and then with china having 17 minutes of successful runtime that's huge that that pushes the envelope from the last record which i think was like 13 minutes so here's the next question when looking towards the future is how long have they been putting those resources into use into these projects so, so has it only been like five years? Have they been around for twenty? Nah, it, it's been around for a while. Uh, what I what, in the documentary, it goes into the kind of um, wasted red tape of the seventeen country project, which eats up a lot of time, eats up a lot of money. Um, so that that's how that project was going. They uh, put in a new president during the time of the documentary well not president but director um to try and streamline that a little bit more to maybe use those funds a little bit more efficiently so my question is or i guess my thoughts would be we're very unlikely to see too much progress in the next 20 years 20 years i think we might in the next five years we probably won't in the next 10 years we'll probably see a couple more big breakthroughs with long runs going uh, for sustained runs, probably above closer to that thirty minute to an hour mark, which would be incredible. It would be incredible, but it still wouldn't be getting us to a point where it would be viable. Yeah, but you got to make steps. But I mean, my question is why are why why are we so opposed to the steps that's not turning a turbine? <clears throat> I don't know. Like, I, I mean, have you seen the solar road? Yeah, yeah, those are cool. Have you guys seen yeah, it? Yeah, I've seen yeah. it. The, I mean, the, Describe it for the listeners. So again. they literally have made a road that is able to be driven on by anything, can hold solar panels inside of the road, 
And before all the Midwesterners start going, oh, snow, it literally has heaters in it to where if it snows, it detects the snow and melts the snow off of the road. Midwesterners, my man, they had snow from New Mexico and Texas all the way up to New England. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a crazy winter. (laughs) You're right. But anyway, um, and it like you just replace a couple of the main highways with those and they can literally sustain the United States. Right. But what's so a couple issues with that. What's to prevent malfunctioning? I mean, you have wear and tear from the vehicles driving on it. Who's to say that that's not going to it's like causing any sort of issues? Well, it's one because of how solar panels are made. They're individual cells with one going out doesn't. Um, degrade the whole system right but one at a time i mean we can't even take care of our roads now uh so imagine the power loss by the time they would be able to go out and repair those cells i mean that would be a major uh, a major patch of it but i mean like so one like that one cell going out shouldn't take down the whole system right that's not what i'm saying but he's saying you have one cell go out you know, how long will it take for them to get out and replace that cell? By the time they get out there, you have maybe 200 that are out. Oh, right, right, right. Because road construction and repair is ignored mostly. Right. And also <clears throat> getting to the fact a lot of um, a lot of municipalities don't like to spend a ton of money on their roads now. Yeah. Um, even those areas with nicer roads, those areas with you know trash well, roads like what what about federally funded large highway systems though or or even uh toll roads privately owned privately owned tow roads being the ones to create energy uh here in the united states i bet you that's going to be what happens because it'll be another revenue stream for that toll road well and they would have the investment money to invest in yep. the initial cost of building the yep. road so like uh what is it 80, 90 down in Ohio, the Ohio Turnpike. Yeah. Or uh, even the Pennsylvania Turnpike or the Mass Turnpike. Um, they could they could feasibly make sections of that. So you have like a maybe a mile of that and then a mile of not, then a mile of that and a mile of not. That way um, you break it up a little bit. So when you're going through and you're doing the construction on them, it's a little bit probably easier and more cost effective. Okay. So um, how about... Have you guys seen the see-through solar panels? No, because they're see-through. Exactly. <laughs> so actually, How am I supposed to see it if it's see-through? They've actually, Just incredible. Come on, man. Hey, man. Have you heard about... Sorry. So they've made a glass that you can literally build the um, skyscrapers out of that turns the skyscraper itself into a giant solar panel. Now, that's cool. So what I what I'm saying is like we put a lot of effort into all these things that take a lot more steps than something like everything that we have that lasts a long time generally doesn't move. The more parts that move, the more it breaks. Mm-hmm. So it just it confuses me that we're still so stuck in this mindset of solar's never going to be the answer. Well, but that's partially because of people. I mean, we're not stuck in a mindset where solar is never going to be the answer, but people are always scared of change. One of the reasons we still use steam to turn turbines, no matter what the power source is to heat the steam. Like, we use what works because we know that works, and change is scary because change can fail. True. But, I mean... When your failure blows up uh, an entire city... Yeah, but I mean, we're like we're stuck in this in this thought that stops us from progressing. So why can't we just realize? Well, when the sun goes away, the solar panels don't work at night. I'm talking about (laughs) on the whole. So what I'm saying is on the whole, like you can have these conversations with people who are like that. And no matter what, they're going to find reasons why it doesn't want to work. Oh, well, we got to mine batteries or we... Or how they're not going to create enough. Or what about the clouds? And the clouds are going to get in the way. Or- I would say these people that are building these reactors are going to say that it's still more effective and efficient to do it that way. Well, that yeah, that's the other thing you have, too, is in addition to the fear of change, 
you have those that are going to fear monger that change as well. Right. I mean, we still have people pushing for coal energy. Mm -hmm. But so to your point, like solar panels, it takes wiring, a lot of wiring, right? So mm -hmm. you got to have a lot of copper in there. And then you need the um, uh, silicone for the panels. So you got to mine the silicone, you got to refine the silicone, and then you got to build the panels, which will take glass and things like that um, and different plastics. Uh, what, what for the fusion energy, the fuel is hydrogen. Mm -hmm. The most abundant element in the universe. Sure. Um, and it's clean. When you combine it, it creates helium, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that is the general thought of why, because even with solar panels, you're still needing emissions to create them. I don't need the military to protect my solar field. <laughs> you got a good point there. But with a fusion and reactor, a, you turn a, the reactor down, the reaction's done. There's there's no risk of a meltdown. There's no so, risk of a big boom or a big release of radiation. So to that point, though, where you said you don't need the military to protect your solar field, uh, yeah, you do, because if I break your solar field, you have no power. Okay, so to break it down, the solar goes into batteries, so it wouldn't be an instantaneous Right, but how long, like, well, I mean, how, how long do you really think that that battery is going to last? Like, do you think it's going to be enough time for you to rebuild that field after I bomb it? No, okay. well, before if you I bomb, bomb it, it I again, have other problems, <laughs> right? But I, I mean, it, well, just with what you mentioned, we've made with it the batteries, to where though. we've made it to where you can have solar panel roofs that you literally can't even tell that they're solar panels. We have glass that's see through that could be solar panels. We have actual solar panels. We have roads that we could turn into solar panels to where your solar farm looks like what you see now. I mean, he makes a good point on that one, but my concern is battery technology. I don't think is has caught up to solar panel technology yet. And I say that because we're using lithium-ion mm. batteries for the most part, which which they're good, don't get me wrong, but they're expensive. They're in areas that generally are rife with conflict or here in the U.S., like China. I, mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I don't like to say adversarial country, but they kind of are a little bit adversaries for us. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're in competition with them. More yeah, I was going to say that. competitors. Yeah, competitors. Right. Uh and so with that, we, we really need a leap forward in our battery technology, I think, before we can make that big leap to solar panels. Um, one promising thing for, like, local homesteads and whatnot is if you live in an area with, like, a hill, yeah. you can then use the excess power that you get during the day to pipe water up to then let the water come down at night and spin a turbine. Oh my god, you just made solar panels spin a turbine. <laughs> yes, I did. Congratulations. Good job. You did an amazing job. But that that is that is the type it's like of like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, man. Like whatever you do, power <laughs> can sorry, always come back. And to bacon. I'm hungry now. But uh battery technology really needs to either think outside the box like that. Like some was raising uh, an elevator of rocks up that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And then it slowly comes down spinning the turbine with the rocks attached to it via a line mm -hmm. to create power at night. Then, okay. Um, and I think those are the types of ideas that are going to really move solar panels forward because nobody wants to make an investment in a building to make a building entirely solar because the amount of batteries you're going to need is going to essentially be astronomical to maintain the power of that building. Right. So we'll replace them with rocks. I mean, I like it. We, but we, then you got to have a separate building with all the rocks. So they can go up and rocks. down. Yeah. <laughs> a rock silo, if you will. Yeah. 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 But uh, another one that I've seen is a company is creating these gyros. So uh, it's a, like a solid steel cylinder, perfectly balanced. So a turbine. Yes. And then it, uh, so as the power's coming in for the day, it powers it up. But they're like, hundred, they're like hundreds of pounds. And they're like the size of me. I'm, I'm a big guy. And it spins them up, but because they're so well-balanced, they stay spinning for a really long time. 
That's another type of battery technology. So basically almost winding it up on a spring and allowing that, that spring to power the unwind, almost like uh, those old toys that you would get where you drag them backwards, the old cars, where you drag them backwards and that would pull the spring tight and then allow it to release. Or um, Pinewood Derby cars would be a similar fashion. Those, I believe, are entirely gravity-fed. Yeah. But, I mean, that would work for the rocks, like, coming down. The or the uh, the mousetrap cars. Mousetrap cars, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good example <laughs> of the, the same type of gyro. Oh, for anybody listening, I, I made a an arm motion of a, a mousetrap snapping closed. Titus, <laughs> they don't need your visual comedy. No one does. Are you talking about my face? Yes. <laughs> Uh, just incredible. Uh, you researching something over there? Yeah, because I don't remember all the details, but have you ever heard of the Elon Musk, the Gigafactory? Yes, him saying that to power the entire world, we need like 100 Gigafactories, and that's it? That's it. Yep. But I don't understand how Gigafactories generate power. That's what I'm trying to clarify currently. Like, I don't know if he's talking like 100 Gigafactories of solar panels or what? Hold, please. Hey, pa- pass that pen, would you? Well, he's... Uh, yep. <clears throat> when complete, the solar panels on the roof are expected to help it run entirely from renewables. Oh, so cool. it's... So to put it into perspective, he's made the statement that he could place 100 of these power plants mm-hmm. spaced across the world that reach 35 gigawatts per hour. Whew. Ran off solar. Whew. It's a lot of watts. Right. So, like, that that's the part that's confusing to me is we have something that could potentially be work that we could be working towards. But I feel that we're being redirected by those industries. We're being redirected by the, the coal industry well, to not yeah. invest into it and well, spread propaganda. That makes it to where solar's bad. Or, oh, the batteries are going to hurt the world. Or there's not enough of this resource. But, I mean, how is mining lithium any different than constantly drilling for oil? And then having to put pipelines and ships that leak and everything else. My my thing, uh, I I had something. It was there. Yeah, I lost it. I was finishing my point that you already got because we finished that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. had something. It was a good point. I swear it was a good point. Come back. But it's gone. Come back. It's in the ether. No. <laughs> so it, so you're saying we would need the lithium in order to make solar power actually viable, actually viable well, across the world. So I, then I, we're in the same spot with oil. We're pulling something out of the ground to store so, the energy oh, that we're making so for keep, free, oh, which points me back to the fusion fission reactions as being a more sustainable well, source. Well, but that's Until we get something more like what Titus was talking about earlier, which is natural implements to power Better turbines. batteries that don't need, you know, volatile metals. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, you got to think about where, where we're at with, you know, batteries just, they, they came around within the last hundred years. Right? Did they? I don't think they did. I'm pretty sure Mythbusters proved that wrong. Yeah, I'm sure. pretty sure there's evidence of batteries, like thousands upon thousands. Yeah, see, I think there was one made out of a clay vase. Uh, it's actually a, a series of clay vases with yeah. a uh, copper, copper rod in it, and then they would connect them together. And uh, on MythBusters, what they did is they made like a little like um, um, idol. I think it was like an eagle shape or something like that, like made out of like tinfoil or something like that. And you see one of the guys go up and try and like, oh, that's cool, and touches it and gets zapped, and then gets really pissed off about it because he just got zapped. <laughs> <laughs> so the first battery was an electric fence to keep people away. Uh, they, so they don't know what they were used for. Some of them think it was, it was used as a means of creating like a relic that would like let you feel the power of God because you reach up and you get shocked. Right. I mean, kind of like those, uh, electric balls that you played with in science class. Well, I mean, worse than that, because you actually get shocked versus just your hair going on end. (laughs) I mean, for all we know, they could have actually been used to power lamps. Right. We we don't know. Power what? Lamps. Um or or it could have been used to plate metals right. for counterfeiters. Right. 
black markets create great technology to get around laws. Well, not even not even necessarily counterfeiters. Think of think of how much stuff was bejeweled and plated and everything Mm -hmm. in those societies. That's absolutely what it continues to work. According to Wikipedia, the first battery that was ever recorded was in 1791. Still further back than the hundred years you gave it. Right. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now at the Baghdad battery, which is dated somewhere between 150 and 22380. I think the current type, like the current style of battery that we have, Mm -hmm. Was developed back then, but which was the clay base we were talking about? Well, gotcha. well uh, so it's the Baghdad battery. Well, just because yeah. it works like a battery doesn't mean they knew that. Maybe they just threw a fucking copper rod and a and a clay pot to store it and walked away and had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know I mean? Except for the fact that they had part of that clay rod sticking out the top and completely sealed. Maybe they wanted to protect so, the bottom like, of the, the, only, the rod. The only function that you can really think of is that it was used for a fucking battery. <laughs> I feel like you're assuming. Uh, it looks like they're mostly looking at it being used for electroplating or potentially electrotherapy. Yes, electroplating. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing, dude. Oh, I love it when what my mind What do you mean what you're seeing? You weren't even seeing it. You told us 1700s. I'm blind. <laughs> no, but the point uh, that I was trying to make that got lost to the ether uh-huh. was that... Um, Put yourself in the person who owns the coal mine's shoes. Yeah. It benefits them for us not to progress in these technologies. Why? Because their whole business model is coal. And Uh if you think about a community who, like, 90% of the people who are in that community working, work in the coal mine, that entire community is not going to want coal to go anywhere. Right. And it's not necessarily that they're trying to hold us back. They're trying not to lose their livelihoods. Yeah, but why not just change focus? So as the coal industry, why not hire those people to do the research? You're telling me that the coal industry doesn't have the money to invest into just shifting its technology? So I believe that is something that big oil is doing, but no, I don't with the with the gradual decrease in coal, I don't think their profit margins are there anymore for them to make a drastic investment investment for a change of entire form of of business at least not while maintaining all of their employees right like it might not be possible to say okay we're done we're investing everything we got into something new starting a whole new company Mm -hmm. what are you going to do with miners who don't want to go back to school they can mine batteries where you can mine coal there's some bad where isn't california nevada over there somewhere on the west side of the state that they're that's that's one mine right so you start investing already and staffed. looking for it. So you're going to ship a bunch of people from Appalachia. Appalachia? Appalachia? Yeah, sure. To California. Not necessarily. I'm saying, like, you're saying that you, they can't, we can't find more? We no, don't find I, new I, oil I, deposits to this day? I'm saying that the problem day? is more than just people I, not wanting to invest in the industry and trying to release pop- propaganda. They're trying to save their livelihoods any ways that they can. And it's unfortunate, but it's what happens in a capitalist society is you're going to see that industry die. You're going to see a lot of people get hurt. And to move forward, we're going to have to do it, right? Right. But doing it in a way that lets those people maintain dignity and maintain their safety and livelihood is a people problem that we need to be able to solve and we should be able to solve as a first world nation. As in the United States, fucking America. So that they know that when their industry dies, they're not going to be homeless. Their kids aren't going to starve. They're not going to lose their houses. But unfortunately, in a lot of those towns, mm. that's exactly what happens. People go homeless. People's kids starve. People's kids get taken away. And you see those communities just fall into the pits of despair. They just die. Like, there's so many abandoned mining communities. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Ghost towns. Like it, it, it's sad. It's the same thing with the mining communities back in the 1800s, hmm? or the gold rush when the when the mines would dry up. You have all these people going and settling, thinking because someone found one nugget of gold, thinking the place is rich with it, and a bunch of people go there, set up shop, and yeah, the mining towns mm-hmm. in the 1800s. And I was agreeing San Francisco? with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, right around 1849. Yeah. <laughs> 
<sighs> that one they invented football. But I, I, I was just trying to point out that it's not just the evil oil and coal companies trying to stop advancement. It's those companies trying to protect themselves as owners, protect their investors, their shareholders, and probably to a much lesser extent, their employees. I don't know. It sounds like propaganda to me. <laughs> that, that is literally what propaganda is. This situation benefits me more, even though there's a better situation and solution out there, but I'm going to brand it as bad so that way people keep using mine. Right. I'm not saying you're wrong that about that. It's propaganda. Either. I'm not saying you're wrong about there being propaganda. I'm saying that it's a little bit more than evil coal and oil. So to it's more than just their propaganda. To continue to make someone believe that what they're doing is okay for the benefit of a smaller amount of people is not okay is what i'm saying regardless of what you're regardless of the I, I have no qualms with anyone who works in the mining industry i have no qualms with anyone that works in the coal industry but if your industry is dying it is on you as a person to find yourself and make yourself valuable you made yourself valuable as a miner that's fine but you, you I, I don't i don't think so i think that sounds on awful society. polarized of you I think it is the the duty of of our society that if we want to take that next step forward, we make sure that those people are not left behind. And until we have a means of doing so, we should not take that next step. So there could be, we could have government, like we we could have, um, oh, what is it? They've done this before. I'm I'm drawing a blank where you have, they're, they're subsidizing going back to college. They're going or going back into training programs. We just did that with COVID. That, that's great. You're going to subsidize my my college education, but in the meantime, for that two years while I'm getting my technical degree, my kids don't eat. That sounds like a bigger societal problem than that's a business what I'm dying. Saying. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, you can't hold to the standard. We need to at at some point we have to realize that we, there's stuff that we need to do to be able to make the best choices for the people. That's all I'm saying. Because people can't make their own choices. Not saying that. I feel like we're agreeing and arguing, and therefore we're not getting anywhere. So, in other words, we're finding a different way to spin the turbine? That's right. <laughs> Woo! But, um, yeah, that's that's about all I had for the, this topic. I just went down that rabbit hole and thought it would be interesting to talk about on air. Wait, we're in air? <gasps> you forgot to press record again, didn't you? <laughs> I did not. This that time would have been terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, you want to sign us off there, Kurt? Sure. Thanks for listening. This has been as the high hits. I'm Kurt and Rod. I'm Titus Balsack. I'm Casey Needs It. I'm just incredible. Have this a good one. night, everyone. Actually, that was pretty good. Actually, I think that was really good. Fuck it. Cut it, print, go to press, baby. (laughs) Front page.